Christians. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and look at another psalm. Psalm 17, if you would. Psalm 17. And I thought this psalm very apropos for Sunday night because the theme of the psalm is a prayer of David. And... um, So we will look at this psalm. It says, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress concerning the works of men. By the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of thine eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are, inclined, they are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth. Like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in the secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked which is thy sword. From men... Which are thy hand, O Lord, from the men of the world, which have their portion in this life, whose belly thou fillest with hid treasures. They are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Now, as we read this prayer that... David recorded under the direction of the Holy Spirit, it may sound a little strange to us. I mean, David says in his prayer is, hear the right, O Lord. Now, what David is really saying there, I mean, what he is saying is, Lord, I want you to hear the right cause. I mean, so often we use these words in our prayers, but we're not right. David is actually, as he is praying, uh, I've entitled the first section of this, this is about the prayer. This is David's confidence toward the God of Israel. He says, as I bring my prayers before you, O God, I know that what I am praying for is right. He says, I am not praying Out of feigned lips. Now, that word feign is a word that uh, uh, we uh, do not use uh, much in in, uh, modern English, but uh, 
we would use the word fake a lot of times. It's pretend. Uh, people try to cover up things. And I mean, uh, I'm sure that we've all done this on occasion. Somebody uh, says the, the phone's ringing and the dog's barking and the kid's crying and everybody's going nuts and you pick up the phone. Hey, how are you doing? Fine. That's feigned. That's not the way we're supposed to pray. But you know, some people, a lot of times Christians pray that way. Well, I know everything's going to be okay, Lord. But in our heart, we're saying, you'd better hurry up. This is a big mess. David said, I'm not praying that way. I am praying... I am giving my cry to you, Lord, if you hear what is right. And by the way, how can we know that our prayer is right? How could David say these words to God? I mean, it almost sounds arrogant. Dear God, I I know I am praying for the right thing. How can you do that? When you match your walk to the words of God, you can have confidence in your prayers. You ever forget to study for a test? Lord, help me remember what I didn't study. Doesn't work, does it? And so as David starts... He is starting from a point of confidence in God. I mean, David went through some dark times and and the bulk of this prayer is about deliverance from his enemies. And we're going to get to that in in just a minute. But he he says here, the right God, if if you will hear what is right and what is true, you're going to know that my prayer is right and true. That my heart is right with you. Uh, some, so many times when we pray to God, we're, we're starting from a position of disobedience and, and wrongdoing on our part. And we're spending all of our time in prayer just trying to get right with God. David in this psalm is saying, wait a minute, I am starting from the right spot. We ought to think about that sometimes. Ninety percent of our prayer life ought not be, Dear God, I messed up. Help me get this straightened out. David needed some answers to prayer, but it wasn't because he had messed up. Now, David did that. Read Psalm 51. We may get there where David uh, is uh, his uh, classic prayer on forgiveness. But he says, Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Now, how do you do that? How do you let your sentence, David says, let my sentence come forth from thy presence? Could I challenge you? The answer is the same as verse 1. If I am speaking God's word, where did God's word come from? From his presence, amen? 
David is saying, let my prayers be lined up with your word and let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Again, David is expressing his confidence. In in verse 3, he says that God has proved his heart. That God has visited him in the night. That he's tried, been tried by God. And God will find nothing. Now, there's a lot of times we get in trouble because of wrong things that we've done. But you read the book of Second Peter, and it talks about God blessing those who suffer because they were doing right. And this is what David is saying. I did not get in the situation where I am by doing wrong. I got where I am by doing right. Lord, I want you to behold things that are equal. And again, uh, this is not only a prayer that David is actually praying to God. This is poetry that has been recorded in the Scripture. It's something that is to help us. And we must remember the key to Hebrew poetry is not the rhyming of words. It's the rhyming of ideas. And we're going to see this... um, idea here uh, uh, brought back again in the very end uh, of this psalm. He said, Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I mean, read James chapter 3. Wow. He said, I've purposed in my heart then I'm not going to do something wrong with my mouth. Now, what is the best way not to do something wrong with your mouth? Just keep it closed. Amen? Uh, and, And David said, I have purposed here. I have confidence that what I am doing is right in my words. And then we get to verse 4. And he says, concerning the works of men, I've talked about my words. Now I want to talk about the things that I'm doing by the word of of thy lips. I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Do you get that? David says, listen, I purposed in my heart that I'm not going to transgress with my words. And as far as the things I'm doing... Lord, it's been obedience to your words that have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. It's your words, if you want to go to this morning's message, it's following your words has kept me from offending those little ones that Jesus spoke about, was speaking about in Mark chapter 9. And so his next prayer in verse 5 is, Hold up my goings in thy paths that my footsteps slip not. He says, how, how do I want you to hold up my footsteps in thy paths? He said, Lord, I want to keep walking in your paths. I don't want to slip and fall in the paths of righteousness I I want to keep walking there. I have called upon thee, verse 6, For thou wilt hear me, O God, incline thine ear unto me, 
and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Now, if you wrote a sentence like this in your English paper and turned it in, you'd probably get a bad grade. But the truth of the matter is, this sentence says a whole lot, doesn't it? Again, we're, we're looking at David's confidence, and, and he says, God, I want you to show thy marvelous loving kindness. Because here's who you are. You're the God that saves. You save by your right hand. God works in saving people from trouble and distress. But God saves them that puts their trust in God from those that rise up against Him. Now, does this give you a little bit of hint where David was in his life right now? Somebody had risen up against him. And David is going to God, not from... I'm in a huge mess, God. I don't know what to do. you got to get me out of here. I'm going to lose my mind. They're going to get me. Lord, they're coming after me. you got to protect me. People pray like that. And you know what God normally does when you do that? He's he's not going to listen to that kind of foolishness, my friend. That's not faith. David was praying the prayer of faith. Do you see that? He said, I got where I am by obeying your word. Lord, I know I'm right because my life agrees with this book. Lord, you've tested me. You visited me in the night. How do you know the Lord visits you in the night? Because David was up praying all night. And David said, I purpose that I'm not going to sin with my words. Lord, I want you to hold my steps up that I can walk in the way. I want to see the loving kindness because, Lord, you are in the habit of saving them that put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Now, verse 8, we see the intimacy that David had with God. He says, keep me. Now, if you're going to keep something, that means it's already there, doesn't it? Amen? It says, keep me as the apple of thine eye. You know, David was expressing his confidence in God's love and care for him. Sometimes people, poets will even use this phrase to this day, the apple of thine eye. Now, How many of you remember what the apple of your eye is? It's the reflection. God, David is saying to God, I know that you're watching me so close that if I look up at you, I could see my own reflection in your eye. He said, that's where I want to stay. He says, because if I'm there, there's nothing that is going to touch me. I am in thy loving kindness. And so here we get to verse 8 and we break. 
And we go to the next point. David is talking about himself in verses 1 through 8. His confidence toward God. He's saying, Lord, I know you're going to hear the right. I'm in it. You've proved me. I'm walking in your way. I'm the apple of your eye. I want to stay there in that special place where you're staring at me intently and intimately and keeping me there. He says, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. And, of course, that's an allusion to the uh, mother eagle in her nest or the mother bird. She covers her wings. And I think we've, I've given this illustration more than one occasion, but uh, they had an art show and they were trying to... Uh, they had asked the artist to paint a picture of peace. What you think peace is? And so as the, they strolled through the the different artwork. Of course, there were beautiful pictures of the babbling brook and somebody had tried to paint a cow chewing its cud. I mean, that's pretty peaceful. A cow on a hot summer afternoon just going chong, chong. But what won the prize was a picture of a storm. And you could see the fury of the waves beating against the base of the cliff. And about halfway up the cliff was an eagle's nest. And if you, as you looked, you begin to be drawn in. And Mama Eagle was sitting on the nest. And you could look down and you could see the baby eaglets under her wings. You see, peace isn't always the absence of problems. It's not the absence of strife. It's being able to be at rest wherever you are. That's peace. That's why David said in Psalm 23, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So if you've ever had another human being after you or causing you great turmoil, the first thing you lose is the ability to sit down and enjoy a good meal. David said, listen, I'm not going to lose that because I'm walking in your paths. He says, keep me under the shadow of thy wings. Now we look in verse 9, from the wicked. Now he's going to talk about the wicked in his prayer. He said, they... That oppress me. I'll tell you, we live in a world that is full of oppression. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, there were several different bakeries. This one, I believe, was in Oregon. I heard the report this week. The judge finally settled and charged the Christian owner of a bakery... I believe it was about $230,000 in damages for refusing to bake a cake for a lesbian couple and saying, he, this was the judge's ruling, he said, in saying that that's not part of your religious faith, you're saying you're going to treat everybody the same way and you're going to be prejudiced again and so we're going to try to destroy you, basically. Uh, that's oppression. That's what's going on in our country today. It's freedom of speech as long as you're not a Christian. And uh, what are we going to do? 
Well, here's what David did. He took it to the Lord in prayer. He said, this is the, the, they're oppressing me. Then the next statement takes it a step further. He said, from my deadly enemy. You know what? There's a difference between having enemies and a deadly enemy. A deadly enemy is seeking your life, is seeking your soul, trying to keep you and to stamp you out. He said, who can pass me about as I read these words? I don't know if you'll remember the story or not, but David was running from Saul and he uh, he had delivered the inhabitants of Keilah from the Philistines and was hiding out in the town and all of a sudden somebody said, Saul's coming and Saul... And David inquired of the Lord, and he said, Are the inhabitants of Keilah going to give me up, or are they going to protect me? He said, Nope, they're going to give you right up. And I'm sure David was thinking, Wow, that's a great way to be thankful for me taking my men and putting ourselves, our lives on the line. We are being chased by the Philistines. We're being chased by Saul. We're, we're, we're dying from everybody. And Saul compassed him. He left Keilah, he went into a mountain and Saul brought his army and surrounded the bottom of the mountain. He had him. All he had to do was close the net. And Saul, if he had captured David, would have killed him on the spot. That's what he was after. David said, they, mine enemies have compassed me about. You know, the devil loves to put you in a place where you feel like no matter what I do, I'm going to sin. It's 360 degree attack. The devil just loves to get you there. You know why? Because if your hope is not firmly ensconced in the Word of God and in the power of God to deliver, you'll give up. How many people run up the flag of surrender because they just felt like they weren't going to get any help? Well, let me tell you something. David had no plans of surrendering. He said, but my enemy is seeking my life. They've compassed me about. Look at the next one. They are enclosed in their own fat with their mouth. They speak proudly. Now, uh, today, fat is a very bad thing. You're not supposed to be fat. You're supposed to be skinny and all of this. But what this is talking about here, and uh, in, in Proverbs, it talks about the liberal soul shall be made fat. That doesn't mean if you're uh, politically liberal, you're going to be a fat person. No, no, no. What, it, what it's talking about is the word liberal is actually a good word. It means to give. Now, see, we've redefined it. The word liberal now means to be very giving with someone else's money. Uh, that, that's the, the whole idea of the modern liberal is to give away other people's money. But in, in the Bible days, when you were liberal, you were generous with what was yours. And God said, listen, when you give, I'm going to give back to you. You're going to be fat. That's a good thing. David says, my enemies, they have so much that you're just encased in fat. That, that's the statement here. He said, they, my enemies have, they have a superabundance of everything they need. 
and they speak proudly. They're arrogantly touting that they're going to win this battle. They're going to destroy me. They're trying to rob me of my hope. Now, look at verse 11, and and I'm going to give you something that's a little different. I have no real basis for this other than the words that are here. It says, they have now compassed us in our steps. And and most of the commentators, you, you look that up and they're talking about, well, that's David and his men. Well, wait a minute. Whose steps was David following in? In the Lord's steps, right? I mean, look at, look, let's go back to the verse that talks about this. In verse 5, he said, Hold up my goings in thy paths that my footsteps slip not. He said, Lord, I got into this mess following you. He said, they've compassed us about. What he's saying is, God, you're in here too. I got here with you. It says, they have set their eyes bowing down to the earth like as a lion that is greedy of his prey. As it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Said so this is the this is the description of the wicked. You see, lions are one of the few animals that hunt with skill and cunning. What they do is they take the old lion. Now they say a lion. Uh, a male lion, fully grown, mature, can roar, and you can hear that roar two and upwards of three or four miles away. Could you imagine a noise that loud? That'd be the idea of a lion right here on 30th Avenue roaring, 31st Avenue, and being able to hear it at the Con Ed plan up at 20th Avenue. That's an amazing thing. Now, of course, there's not buildings to absorb sound. It's just jungle and trees and and prairie grass. But the old lion goes out and he finds a place where the animals are and he roars. One of those terrible, earth-shattering roars. And all the animals that are at the water hole or something, they... They feel that that lion is hunting them and they run away from the roar. And you know where they run into? The claws of the female lions of the pride have all gone down and laid in ambush. You see, that old lion knows there's going to be meat for dinner tonight. And so he acts like he's not worried about a thing. It's all controlled. You have lost. You know, that's the way the world loves to treat us as Christians. You know, uh, we, uh, we have lost, they say, in the Supreme Court. Well, last time I checked, I had no vestment in the Supreme Court decisions on homosexual marriage or on Obamacare and all of that. I was not represented. I mean, there were people that 
we're representing what is the right side versus the wrong side. But we've always been doing what's right in our church. And we just keep right on doing it. And they can sit there and gloat that they have won and all of this. But they have not changed any minds. They have not changed any hearts. I'm not going to change Bible doctrine and what I teach because nine guys in black dresses say that it's different. I mean, robes, excuse me. Uh, I'm not doing that. But the world does it. and, And David is saying, listen, they bow their eyes to the ground. They're saying it's over. It was like the missionaries out in the woods and looked over here and here is a lion. And he says, oh my, I hope this is a Christian lion. He won't eat a missionary. He said, before he knew what was happening, the lion got down on his knees and started praying. Now I thank thee for my meal. Amen. Little joke. But the world thinks that they've won. They are, have practiced. They are lurking. The ambush is set and we are walking right into it. They have us right where they want us. This is David's prayer. He said, that's the wicked. Now we're going to talk about the Lord. He said, arise, O Lord, disappoint him. Cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. Now, those are some very strange words. And then verse 14, he echoes this thought from men, which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life. And he goes on to describe that portion whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasures. They are full of children. They leave the rest of their substance to their babes. Has the Lord used wicked rulers as His sword? Yeah. He sent Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, to waste and take captive the northern ten tribes of Israel, did he not? Now, that hadn't happened yet. But David was not that far removed from the time of the judges. His father was Obed, who is the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. And how many times did God send in the Midianites to punish the children of Israel? The Philistines to punish the children of Israel. The the Amalekites and all those different people. And, And David says, listen, Lord, I want you to deliver me. And we go back to the beginning. And he says, and what he's saying here is because my cause is right. And my life is right. And I've gotten where I am by following your words. And I want you to keep me in thy paths. That my footsteps don't slip. That I can keep walking in the way that you have set before me. 
I know that the Lord many times sets the wicked up and they get everything ready to go. I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to be disappointed here. I heard one of the newscasts, one of these people talking about the Supreme Court decision on homosexual marriage. And he said, now we are married in the eyes of everybody. I'm going, no, you're not. Not this set. Not anybody I know. We haven't changed our mind. There's only one way you're going to change our mind. And that you're going to have to kill us. And it'll come to that. The Bible says so. That's what's going to happen during the reign of Antichrist. That is what ISIS or Islamic State, that's what they're trying to do. That's the only way they can promote their God. Little God. My God brought down the Iron Curtain. My God has the answers. He's so big, He doesn't need me to defend Him. And I'm asking Him to rise up and deliver me. And David is kind of reminding the Lord here. He said, those men of the world that are out there, they have everything, Lord. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I don't. I'm in great distress. That's why I'm crying unto you this way. I'm in trouble. They have everything that life can offer But I understand something. Their portion is in this world. My portion is not in this world. My portion is in the world to come. And he says, until I get there, verse 15, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. Do you get that? says, I'm going to keep my, fat, my feet in that path. I'm going to keep my footsteps in your paths. Lord, I'm going to stay right where you have put me. He says, I shall be satisfied. You know, that's something the world just can't get. They try. Everything that you can have in the world. You ever met somebody that actually had everything or a whole lot of everything? They were always out there chasing something more. Always another acquisition, another victory, another whatever. He says, I shall be satisfied when I awake. Now, did you get that point? If you have to wake up, what were you doing? Sleeping. You know what? It's hard to sleep when your soul's in turmoil, isn't it? David says, I'm still getting my rest. He said, this is what I'm going to be satisfied with. He said, with thy likeness. That doesn't mean that David made a likeness of Jesus to be satisfied staring at. No, that's idolatry. What's it say? The love of Christ constraineth us. It conforms us to His image. As we behold His glory, it transforms us into the image of His Son. David says, 
I'm going to be satisfied when I awake with being just a little bit more like you. With having you make me just a little closer to what you want me to be. And man, that's a prayer, is it not? He doesn't start where we usually start. From a point of disobedience, from a point of sin against God, from a point of getting ourselves in a mess. David starts out from a point of confidence and from a life that is in agreement with God's Word. And of course, we know David wasn't perfect in everything, but the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness which the Christian soldier wears is the righteousness that belongs to Jesus Christ. He loans that to us till we get to heaven to be with Him. If we are serving Him, He will keep us in His footsteps. And David's saying, listen, the wicked are out there. Every, they're compassed about. They've cut me off. It's a done deal. All they have to do is make that last move, and it's checkmate. He said, but God, how about you arise and disappoint them? I know you use the wicked as your sword and the men of this world as your hand to punish those that have stepped out of the way. But Lord, that's not the situation right now. He said, I'm in the way. And he says, I'm going to be satisfied when I wake up with thy likeness. He says, I'm going to behold thy face in righteousness. I'm going to look at your word. I'm going to stay right where I am. I've watched over the years as people will struggle to do right and struggle to do right and struggle to do right. and Nothing seemingly happens. And then all of a sudden, they just said, I've had it. And just before God opens the door and gives them the desires of their heart, they turn and they go the wrong way. Let me tell you something. You've got to stay in the way, no matter what. It's better to die in the way than to live out of it. And that's what David is praying in this prayer here. Obedience will give you ground to pray upon. God will protect His children. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You tonight. We ask that You would help us to love You, to love Your Word, 